We are live. Welcome to the inaugural, the inaugurable, the inaugural, whatever that word is. Take two. Uh, Bite Size Gaming Podcast live stream. This uh, is going but, to be the last time we do this, I'm sure, because our viewership, what little we had, is just gonna, it's gonna fall <laughs> straight down the the, uh, the mountain of boulders as soon as they see our ugly pusses on the on the screen. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, John said, John told me right before we got on that he, he fancied himself up for this stream. Did a nice I did. Tight shave and trimmed everything. Uh, Troy actually was shaved too uh, this morning, and <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a full growth one day. That's his. That's his uh, five o'clock shadow. That's my five o'clock shadow. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the bite-sized gaming podcast. The podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the host joining me this evening are Troy and John Christian. How are you, fellas? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you could be. You really could be. But <laughs> I don't that's, know, that's man. That's your opinion, John, not <laughs> that's ours. That's your opinion. <laughs> Look, I only speak for me, okay? Mm-hmm. So our podcasts are always broken down into two different segments. We do our dessert segment first, as it should be, and then we dive into our main course, in our dessert segment, we talk about news articles, new products, new Kickstarters, uh, social media stuff that we saw, announcements, news, whatever. Uh, little bits and snippets. We'll do that for about 15 minutes or so. And then we'll transition from that into our main topic, uh, which today has something a little something to do with Icewind Dale and, and Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but we've got five little news snippets. Our dessert is five courses. Uh, today and let's see uh let's kick it off with troy troy you have a couple of things and these have a visual component and right out the gate you've transitioned us from a audio only podcast and like a natural you are ready with with visual aids yes audio and visual it's yeah (laughs) you just have to be extra descriptive for for the listeners uh the first part is not uh, a visual component it is something that I I'm, I feel like I'm a, probably a little bit late to the game on, mm. uh, but I was listening to uh, Dragon Talk, okay, mm. and they had uh, some people on there from Encounter Party, which is a uh, a, a podcast or a, a, an actual play podcast, okay, and it intrigued me listening to them. Uh, on Dragon Talk. So I, I dove in and I listened to the first couple episodes and I'm digging it. I like it. Um, these people are also professional actors, comedians, and voice actors. So very similar to Critical Role. And without throwing shade to the Critical Role people, they. Which we wouldn't. Which we wouldn't. Because I mean, that's dangerous. They have mm-hmm. done some amazing things for this hobby. You know I mean? And you and I listen to it religiously. So. Yeah, we do. I'm I'm <laughs> one episode behind at this point. Yeah. But uh, what what they what the Encounter Party crew set out to do is um, offer up a, a a game to listen to that doesn't have all the the 
the extra dead air or the 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 hymns and haws and the ums hmm. in it, um, which makes the story more concise. It's more you're you're in it. Now, Critical Role, it's more like you know. At this point, I feel like I could almost walk into the room and say, you know, hey, Travis, how's it going? Because mm-hmm. you kind of know you kind of know the people behind the yeah. the story. What what uh, Encounter Party does is they're they're fo- they're focused more on the gameplay and and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool. It is set in Ravnica, hmm. um, which well, I am interesting highly interesting direction. Yes, and uh, listening to their interview, they did that for a reason. So, it, but it was very it was very cool, and they're they're I believe they're getting ready to start season three, I believe. And it's going to be something new. This whole, this story arc of being in Ravnica is going to end apparently. Um, but I dig it. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, right. I on. like I like Critical Role for reasons, and I like Encounter Party for reasons. So interesting. I'll have to give that a look. That's what Colville is going to do with his when his when uh, the chain goes back up. Okay. Um, and he starts doing it. He said 100% it will be a cut-down, edited version yeah. of their play. Oh, and the way they do it, they don't mm-hmm. film all year long, or they don't record all year long. Oh, they actually, it's in segments. Yeah. No, they, they, they block out the a week and go to Chicago. Oh. They all go to Chicago. They have a studio, and they play the entire season oh in God. one week. And that's actually kind of smart. Then they edit it all out and, and yeah. parse it out into, into episodes and stuff. God, so, that's gotcha. a, that is a gauntlet of gaming to go through a yeah, whole right? week. Oh, my so, gosh. That was really awesome. So uh, part two of the dessert for me, um, I backed Geek Games Kickstarter uh, a oh, while yeah. back for their, their new minis. And they have come in. Yeah, yeah. I remember these guys. They're on, they're on a, a kind of like a... A plastic sheet that you pop out and it's various artists that you can uh, you can get their downloaded content on patreon for, mm-hmm. for, for a lot of these guys and I am I give money to these people every month a lot of them <laughs> but uh, like here's I mean, you got this cool frost oh, giant like the frost got, giant uh-huh. yeah you got the purple worm oh yeah you gotta have the classics and then you got the purple worm hump and tail. Oh, that's actually yeah. really fun. <laughs> that's cool. One of my favorite uh, fire giants. The, A little uh, dreadnought. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming that they're uh, they're two sided. Yep, two sided. Nice. Um, and, uh, and they just pop out. Yep, they just pop out, and you cannot, you cannot. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's gonna take some effort to rip. So, not quite like a hard plastic. It's a. It, they feel a little bit thinner than Arknight. Okay. But yep. and you know they are definitely. You can definitely crease these these things. But uh, yeah, they 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 had bases that you could get. I didn't get bases because I like to make my own for paper minis. But uh-huh. yeah, pretty cool. And I, I got the legendaries with uh, looks like so, an Orcus and all that kind of stuff. Real quick, I'll just for our, our listeners, uh, the art style is very poppy, uh, mm-hmm. bright colors. Um, like some of them, some of them are, are very poppy. 
uh, you've got Trash Mob minis. Uh, Trash Mob has its own unique art style. Very. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So different fun. artists are going to have different things. Yeah. Uh, Lou, uh, someone in chat here is talking about good questions, so we'll, we'll throw it in here. Uh, he's asking if they stand up. And Troy, you say you make your own bases for I them. I make my own bases. They actually had bases that you could buy that were plastic, and you just slot them right in. Um, but I prefer to make my own. So uh, do they? Bases. Do they? Are they kind of like warped or bent over a little bit, or do they? Are they relatively rigid? Because they look pretty flexible. They're they're very flexible. They're very flexible. So they have. But they they're probably weigh. They probably weigh next to nothing. So probably yeah. any sort of weight of base is going to mean that they just stand mm-hmm. up, right? Yep. Yep. They're gonna. They're gonna just. Boop. Cool. Awesome. Very cool. I love it. Those actually look really handy, um, yeah. and especially if you are buying a lot of Arknight stuff to begin with, uh, maybe this yeah. will help round out some of you. Help round yeah. that out. And I like what I like better than about these than Arknight is Arknight has the plastic that goes all the way around. Yep. These are cut to die cut. Yep. Yeah, the die cuts. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and I'm a paper minis guy anyway, and I actually have a lot of these already that I've printed and cut myself. So but, uh, <laughs> you have the official ones. Yeah. But now I have the official <laughs> And soon, uh, we'll, we'll put a link in the in the show notes, but soon uh, you can get, you'll be able to get these uh, minis on Geek Tank Games website and in stores, because like I said, here's the, here's the cool packaging. I got some player character heroes, mm-hmm. and I got the, the big bads, so I'm going to have purple worms out the wazoo, apparently. <laughs> Oh. Awesome! Isn't one enough? Why do you need? Why no. do you need more than no. one? No, if you, no. You're doing purple worms wrong if you only have one. Yeah. Say, I've been, I've been, I've been going at this the, the wrong yeah. way. Yeah. You can just assume when a module says that there's a purple worm that they really mean two. That's a herd. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, right? Yeah. Well, a murder. It's, it's even. like most worms. You, you cut one purple worm in half, you get two. You get two yeah. purple worms. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I'll dive in. Speaking of uh, worm-like creatures. Um, I picked up a new starter set uh, in the past couple weeks, and I want to give a shout-out to it. Um, I bought the Alien RPG starter set, and it's sitting right back here on my shelf, but I won't do a visual for it because it's a lot. Um, But I wanted to talk about it because it's really, really well done. Um, If you didn't know, uh, Alien has its its own RPG system, that it's been showcasing for the past few months now. It's uh, by uh, Modifius, which is based out of uh, Europe. So it's hard to get into the States right now, and it sells out when it does. They do have a uh, free league, which is stateside, is now printing books for them and distributing. So it'll become more easily accessible. Um, but for now, uh, something that's pretty easy is just the starter set. And so I did. It's 30 bucks, I think. Um, it comes with all the stuff you would expect out of a starter set. It comes with little punch-out minis. It comes with a tactical map that you can flip up, up and down. A huge one, actually. Um, and it comes with pre-gen characters. And then it comes with a rule book. And I've got to say, the rule book is why uh, I'm talking about it tonight. It is over 100 pages long. The rule book that you're getting with the starter set is in i'm gonna say i've never looked at the hardcover core book but i'm gonna say that the 100 page book that's in there is the 
hardcover minus character build options. So you have okay. all the rules for playing the game. Everything you need that way um, is in that book. Very detailed, gorgeous art, all of that. And then um, there is, in addition to that, a whole separate book for the like adventure that you would be playing. Um, really cool. They have a cool stress mechanic. Um, stress makes you do uh, uh, some rash, bad things if it gets too high. What's um, fitting for the setting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, there are rules in there in the book because unlike D and D, they assume that at some point you're going to have some PvP action in this oh. game. Oh, wow. So there's flat out, they're like, here we go. We know you're going to need it, so here's the rules for it. Here's how to make it work. We know you're going to need it. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, stress makes you do some rash things. Um, That's true. I love it. I think it's... And there's it comes with uh, two sets of dice for the game. Uh, they're just specialized D6s, but um, those can be pretty hard to get to. And I think they're like 12 bucks a set, so... Makes sense mm. to go ahead and get the starter set. For but that. what is the core mechanic? Is it is it like fate or? Uh, it's their own thing. The best way that I can describe it. Let me think about this. It's a very simple system. It's based off of number of successes. So you roll d6s. Mm -hmm. And for every six that you get, your success level goes up. Even one success is a, even one six is enough to be considered a successful action. But everyone added on to it makes the action more successful. Right. Okay. Um, no sixes means a complete failure. And if you have some stress dice mixed in there, you can. <laughs> if you start rolling ones on stress dice, things can get really dicey really quick. I am uh, intrigued. Yeah. No. No real math involved in the game. It's all about the number of dice that you're rolling, number of d sixes that you're rolling, and then of course, like your DC, is based off of like how many sixes as a dungeon master. How many sixes do you want for for, you know, something? So so you might say like, um, this is a very difficult thing. So, I'm gonna force you because it's difficult. I'm gonna remove two of the dice that you would typically get for this. Right, so you just add or remove dice for ease or difficulty of encounter. Hmm. Okay, um, and I think minimum is always one. You can always so roll one is, dice. This is very much like the uh, the Star Wars uh, Edge of the Empire. Or yeah, uh, in some ways, it doesn't use a d10, but but similar in a lot of ways to that. Okay. They yeah, don't the, have the, uh, um, the soft failure. Dice. Yeah, they don't have the um, the soft failure and the hard success and all that. They don't use that language. It's really just sixes. And then critical fail ones, but it's 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 nice and simple in that way, which allows it to be a little bit more complex in some other areas of the game. Mm. So I, like I I would give it a thumbs up. I've read through most of the rule book at this point. I haven't gotten a chance to play it, but read through most of it, and I think it's a really solid system. And you can't go wrong with the quality on this starter set. It's great. I, I think this kind of opens up something, I and mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier that we should probably do a whole episode on. Uh, and that is starter sets. Oh, mm. Yeah, that'd be a great episode. Just yeah. talk about. Yeah, I've got a whole stack of them over here. We could talk. Yeah, yeah. And I'm. I know you guys do too. Uh, cool. Well, let me pitch my second one here. Um, I wish I had a vid visual for this, but it's a PDF product, and someday maybe we'll dive full head first into this uh, uh, visual medium. But for tonight, uh, I'm going to talk to you about something that just came out on the Dungeon Masters Guild. 
Uh, Troy and I have already had a brief discussion of it, but Neon Knights just came out. Um, and it's like six ninety five on the guild right now. It's like a 40-some page product. Um, Neon Knights is an Eberron 99 YK adventure. For those of you who don't know what that means, um, right now in Eberron, we're in nine, year 990 YK. So this is set roughly 100 years in the future. And the writer, Christian Eichhorn, has taken Eberron and infused it with some of the themes and attitude and <clears throat> elements of uh, Shadowrun. To create yeah. something really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's still 100% 5e. You're still playing D&D. But it's set in a cyberpunk future version of Eberron. Near future. 100 years. Um, it's really cool. It's 100%. I've, I've read chunks of it at this point. I bought it last night. So uh, certainly haven't had a chance to run it. Um, but it uh it's it's really good it's four levels four to five that range so which is a really nice range for um for a one shot sort of a thing um it's got some new monsters for your players to encounter it's got like four new maps for you to use for the encounters it feels like it's going to be a heist adventure from what i've read so far which really fits the feel and tone um and christian has said that depending on the success of neon knights um he is Really excited to write even more stuff for Eberron 1099. Uh, and it's awesome. It looks gorgeous. He did a really good job with the art, with the layout, um, with the presentation in general. I think this is really good. Um, Troy, did you have anything else you want to add to that? I know you looked at it too a bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is definitely one something I'm going to pick up. Um, I hope that it gets a lot of backing um, because I would love to see this kind of thing fleshed out even more as as some of you might know that i am a huge eberron fiend uh, I, I love that setting and to to look at it a hundred years into the future oh yeah i'm stoked and yeah. it still has that flavor just from looking at some of the, the the images that zach shared with me it still has that pulpy noirish gritty um over well, even more so now right they went from it it went from like uh like pulp fifties to to kind of like a, a Blade Runner yeah. feel to yeah. it, right? Fantasy Blade Runner, and the yeah. artwork is absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. The yeah. layout is fantastic. The design is great. I mean, this is for seven bucks. This is a steal. Yeah. If nothing oh, yeah. else, just for like just from uh, additional story elements that you can kind of steal from it, or that you could use in your even in your regular Eberron game. You know, you could like heists are always something that my table loves to play. Mm -hmm. So. Assuming that I read through and uh, uh, I feel like the adventure itself is well presented, I even if we don't run it in Eberron, I know I'll run it at some point because I'll find a way to to shove oh, this yeah. heist in something even if I have to reflavor it. Because uh, right. heist can be really hard to write. And then also you have to have all the maps to go along with the heist so that people can plan. Uh I see that in our in our live chat. I've got some of my Eberron players in there, <laughs> and yeah, like I would I would kill to play this at a con. In fact, oh, yeah. that may happen uh, sooner than you'd think. I may have to talk to Dave and see if we can shove this oh, into December's. Go. Actually, you uh, don't even need to talk to him. We'll figure. You could just oh, do yeah. it. 
That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to figure that out, I think, because I would love to run this and give it. It'd be really cool to have a pseudo real futuristic official Watsy setting. You could not do this with Forgotten Realms. Yeah. You can't do this with uh, Dragonlands. You couldn't do it with Greyhawk. You can't do it with any of these places. You I know John's like, you can do anything with, yeah. You can do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. You wind it, You wound him up now. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. How but, do I uh, mute him? How do I mute yeah, him? Yeah, um, there's no way. It's on my... Um, but Eberron, I think you can do this really well, and I'm really excited about it. So No, it, it makes perfect sense, right? Like, it's already kind of like a pseudo-technologically advanced version of D&D. Yeah. So uh, fast forward 100 percent, 100 years, I mean, it's it's probably wishful thinking to think that we'd get into like the cyber era over the course of 100 years whenever it's really kind of like, it's, gonna be it's essentially current state. Yeah, magic. Right. So that's that's the advancement, right? Yeah. That's where the, the leaps occur, yeah. right? But I, I think it's, yeah. you're right. I mean, it, it, this is the only one I can think of off the top of my head where it makes sense that it, this is the next evolution of Eberron yeah. is to go into yeah. that cyberpunk era. Yeah. I love that. I'm really hopeful that Keith Baker will give it at least a little nod, like a tip of the hat would be all I really yeah. am asking for. But just something to say, like, attaboy, uh, proceed as, as, as you are. Yeah, give, and, giving him the old... Yeah, exactly. Go with go with Kyber. Mm -hmm. Go with, with Kyber, <laughs> my son. Uh, well, hey, John, uh, talk to us about uh, a product that you just picked up. Yeah. Oh man. So D and D Live came up, uh, and they started rolling out all of the the bits and bobs that were going to come out for the rest of the year. And one of them that I saw that I I just about my eyes almost locked into the back of my head whenever I rolled them so hard is one that I'm about to mention right now. And that was the Heroes Feast official Dungeons and Dragons cookbook. When I saw this thing at first, I was like, what a friggin' gimmick. But then I kind of looked back and I, I know that at least I'm going to invoke the word Dragonlance. Easy. Trigger warning for Troy over here. Uh, but there were in leaves of the last home in uh, and some of the other source material they had. They actually had recipes from the the world, so it's not like it's unprecedented for for them to do something like that. In this case, though, uh, and I've got it here for those that are able to see out there. You've probably seen the cover about a thousand times now. But uh, and I, I can't really show like every single page. It's gorgeous, like just from an aesthetic standpoint. The design is fantastic. The images are really good. They've kind of reused some of the the stock art. That's been used in some of the other source material, but uh, the the images of the food are evocative. And I'm like, I'm a, I wouldn't say myself, I'm a foodie, but I, I like one of the things that I, I kind of have is like a, a side nerdism, is medieval food, Roman uh, food from uh, ancient Rome, uh, the Middle Ages. What did knights eat? What did squires eat? What did peasants eat? That kind of stuff. So, uh, for me, if food is and is immersive, like the food and the drink. In an inn, what are you eating in an inn? What does it smell like? What does the food look like? What sounds are coming out of the kitchen? You know, those kinds of things are are part of kind of bringing everybody to the table. It's not just at an inn. You know, sometimes it's at a, at a, a lord's banquet. It is um, it is at the campfire whenever you're eating a brace of conies. What is a brace of conies? What's a what is pheasant? What is game hen or a, a prairie hen? Things like that, right? So with this, uh, I could see players. Even if they're separated from one another, concoct like coming up with these recipes and or not coming up with them, but uh, but cooking some of the recipes and having it as not only an immersive experience but as a, an experience that kind of brings everybody to the table together. Hey, how does your 
Odic's spiced potatoes taste, or how does your dwarven whey bread uh, or flatbread taste, or anything like that, right? So, and then the everybody's probably already seen it a thousand times. You've probably already seen the table of contents and maybe even some reviews that are on YouTube and things like that. But from coming from somebody who I poo pooed it hard, I was not interested. I thought it was the dumbest idea. And then I was on Amazon for 15 bucks. I'm like, I mean, all right, whatever. I'll, I'll go now get it. Just <laughs> it says D and D on it. I'll buy it. I was like, yeah, exactly. Grow here. Shut up and take my money. I just, uh, you know, grow out of gross curiosity. And I got it. And the first thing, again, the first thing they got me was just aesthetically how pleasing it is. And then there are really a lot of really good. I don't know how the recipes taste. I mean, I've cooked every single one, but from an academic standpoint, I guess I would think that they would taste pretty good. But they look great, and they they didn't do things like uh, you know uh, cockatrice stew. And then like, oh, well, you have to have like, you know, braised cockatrice and, you know, buckleberry sauce. It's not like really zany recipes in there. It's actual legit recipes. You can go to the store and you can pick up all the items and put things together. Uh, From what I've seen. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so you don't have cockatrice in your Walmart? Uh, No. uh, I saw one. Like uh, digging Whoa. through my trash uh, a couple of weeks ago, but it's uh, the, the, the raccoon yeah. scared that one off, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm the trash sure, panda's I'm got sure that. Cockatrice is out of season right now. Is that right? a little oh, bit, a okay, well. little bit. Uh, there was a guy at the store you that the was actually asking if I can get some. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Oh yeah, well, you want to go frozen, dude. Yeah. If you go to Whole Foods, you yeah. can you can get cockatrice. No, no big deal. That's true. Okay. But uh, it, it's good, you know. It's not. It's not for everybody, obviously. If you think it's silly or gimmicky, I completely understand. I, I was in that. I was in that column. But after, I'm an. I'm an. I wouldn't say that I'm a diehard. Everybody needs to run out and go get it right now. But it is definitely neat. It's worth having on your kitchen shelf next yeah. to your, some of your other recipes and things like that. It's neat. It's cool to have. If, and, if you already have recipe books at your shelf in your kitchen, you're probably the person who should own it. If why you not don't, a Dragonlance one, man? It. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's not only, and it doesn't go, it goes and it separates things out into like racial foods and cultures, like elf, human, yeah. halfling stuff. But it also goes into food and drink, or excuse me, uh, drinks as well, like different kinds of beers and like stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. And it, they gave love to Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, Eberron, Dragonlance. There were several <laughs> things in there. They even had like uh, some menus, the example menus from like the end of the last home and uh, the Green Dragon Inn, I think was one of them that was in there too. So pretty cool. cool. Well, nice. we're getting some love for it in the chat as well. Uh, people have been using it yeah. and, and really enjoying it. So that's cool. Right on. Sweet. Awesome. Well, hey, that's, uh, that's what we've got for you this week as far as news and new products. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into our main course for the evening. Um, I'm going to put a preface to this one, all right, up front. Preface this with, I do not know of a DM yet who is not having a great time, myself included, running this adventure, okay? That's what we're going to put up front here. <laughs> a great adventure is not only possible, it is likely out of this. Yeah, yeah. That being said, we're going to re-review. Uh, we're going to... What did I say before? We're going to Re- review, review, revisit, revisit and revise, and revise uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. And redeem. And redeem uh, <laughs> Rhyme of the Frost Maiden tonight. Um, mm. We talked about it a little bit before. Uh, if you tuned into some of our previous episodes, you might have even heard John and I's ideas for 
reflavoring it to fit in a different setting or two. Um, and we may talk about that a little bit this time around. Um, but a big part of this is also going to be now that we not only have read the whole thing through at least once, sometimes twice for some of us, mm -hmm. but we're also running the thing and seeing how it plays out at the table. Um, we have some revised thoughts on this module. And so we're going to talk about those. If you are in a Rime of the Frost Maiden game, mild spoilers ahead. Maybe not for the story, but for some of the story beats, you might mm -hmm. get some of that. Um, so if you're yeah, a player... Yeah, specifically, if my players are listening right now, go away for the next... <laughs> for the remainder of this. Like, you've gotten the goodie that I, uh, that I uh, am allowed you to have. Go away and don't come back until the next episode. <laughs> yeah. So I think if we're talking to players right now who might be listening in, uh, players in general, I think what you're going to get out of this is a look into maybe what it, what, what a mod or what an adventure starts as and what it sometimes transitions into mm -hmm. under your Dungeon Master's eye. So that might be interesting for you. If you're a DM and you're interested in running Frostmaiden, I think you're going to get some really good thoughts and tips out of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you're a DM who has no intention of running Frostmaiden, then my hope is that we can provide you with some insight or some inspiration for how to make something thematic in the way that you want it to be and what pitfalls to avoid. Uh, so that's how this is going to pertain. Uh, it, like John said, if you're, if you're one of his players or you're someone who's like, I don't want to hear anything about Frostmaiden because I'm playing it and I don't want to have it. I don't want to know anything. This is this is the point where you bail, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, but if you're still here, it's the bricks. You come yes. back. I'm going to hand it off to Troy now, and uh, he is going to uh, walk me and John through his his questions and where we're going to go from here. Yeah. So uh, as Zach uh, set it up so nicely, uh, not only are we reviewing, revising, uh, revisiting, and hopefully redeeming *Rime of the Frost Maiden*. Uh, we also kind of want to touch on what makes a horror game in D&D. Because um, that, to me, that's what I was sold. Um, on the lead up to this Rime of the Frost Maiden, it was isolationist horror, uh, get ready to go, watch the thing, uh, and then go ahead and watch the other, the thing, to get inspired for it, uh, read or listen to At the Mountains of Madness, mm -hmm. uh, to get that feeling of 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 deep-seated paranoia, horror kind of thing. I think uh, at least the three of us can all agree, once we received the book and looking through it, uh, it was like, where's the horror? Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot there to it. So, we're going to talk about uh, what does Rime of the Frost Maiden do wrong? What does it do right? And what are the near misses that all you have to do is, uh, all they would have needed to do was like a minor tweak here and there, and you set it off. And then we're going to try to give some examples, other D&D games that uh, do well, in our opinion. So, what do you guys, because they're running it, I am not, I... My, the wind kind of got sucked out of my sails after kind of digging into it more and realizing, man, there's a lot of goofy crap in here. <laughs> it's not it's not the horror that I asked for. So yeah, yeah, I, it was. Um, 
I was one of the I was one of the excited ones. I, yeah, like so if I. you go back, you go back many many moons ago to the the, the days of podcast past. You'd hear me say, oh, "Man, this is one of the first ones I'm going to read all the way through from cover to cover, every single page." I'm just, oh, it's so good. I'd probably made it about thirty three percent of the way of the book at that point, and I was like this, and I was so excited about it that I was kind of like able to gloss over some of the warts. And then I got up to about like the halfway point, and I was like. Hmm. Something's not stirring the Kool Aid here. This doesn't feel like horror, you know. And I think yeah. that. Uh, so, uh, do we? Where do we want to start? Do we want to start well, with like what makes a horror game a horror here, game, or what? My, here's my uh, my my biggest complaint about the whole thing, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it's going to feed right into what does Rhyme of the Frost Maiden do wrong? Um, if you've listened to any interviews with Chris Perkins about uh, this product, um, he explains that they wrote humor into the module itself, into the adventure itself to break up this, the scary, uh, oppressive aspects of the adventure. Um, my argument, my counter argument to writing horror into something like this is comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the comedy. Have you, have you not played D and D at a table before? Because <laughs> the players are going to do something or say something or roll a one when they really should have rolled something a lot better. And it's going to be funny. There's your humor. The humor is already baked into the game. And I'm, and I'm looking at you, uh, Steve, in your ass ramp. Um, but it's, it's, it's stuff like that. You don't need to write humor into the horror. It's going to be there. You know, it's not a script. So what did, what did it do wrong? Um, got, uh, Grim Scala's ice rink and uh, some nature spirits to talk about. I think. Mm-hmm. I'll jump in. I'll jump in with the ice rink. Um, these are just some examples that we pulled from the book um, to kind of illustrate or underscore how this works, right? And I'm in complete agreement with you, Troy. The book encourages you to conceive of the horror yourself and communicate it the way you want to communicate it. There's not a lot of direction in the book, not a whole lot of box text or anything like that that communicates horror. It's assumed that you as the DM can do that. What is in the book is how to make things funnier Hmm. for the most part. Um, And a great example of that, and I'm going to dance around some of this, but in what will feel like to your players, the major set piece of this adventure the place where it should be the darkest the place where all the darkness is coming from um in the dungeon of this place is an ice rink with an awakened walrus that just wants to be friends and that's literally what it says in the book that's not me smoothing it out that is what's down there um and to me, that when when I got that far in and reading it through, this is two thirds of the way through the book. This is literally where where your players will feel like we're into the thick of things right now. We're gonna have this as as the moment, and I'm just like that kills any mood that you have yeah. going. And there's no like darker side to it, you know. There's no like. Uh, like Tr- Troy was saying, like uh, she's she's ice skating with some undead. Uh, or or corpse or something that just makes it all horrific. Like, no, not not anything there. It's just oh, an awakened walrus skating on ice. And it what it does is it says everything that we've been building up to, and and 
now that you're here, if you've managed to type up this adventure and this campaign to a horrific element, this is where your party should feel their stomachs drop, right? Yep. And they should walk mm -hmm. in with leaden feet, right? And and there should be something horrific to greet them there. Mm -hmm. And instead, we get this really weird off. And 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 to me, I feel like that's that's someone like you said, Troy. Someone came in and said, "This is getting too dark. We need to write something to lighten it." Yeah, yeah. And and yes. So so the easy thing here is we say, "Well, we'll just cut it all out," you know. And what I what I plan on doing is cutting out that section of the dungeon and and proceeding on. The problem is that. That that's what the whole dungeon part of that area is. So when you cut it out, what's left? Well, you got to re got to refill it with something completely different, yep. and that's You're work right the on the dungeon time. master's part. So um, I know I know we're here we're seeing things in chat. Uh, I'll try <laughs> uh, hold tight to that. Things do get better eventually, but John, uh, you, you you feel free to take the reins on the other one. Yeah. So I'll the, the I'll let me kind of do a segue right and first of all i completely agree with zach when i got to that part it was it let the the window was out of my sail at that point it's like oh this is if the the equivalent is i can give you the best example i can give you is if you've seen either the old version of it or the, the most recent version of it in the first first film whenever they make it into pennywise's lair it's like going in there and there's all of this tension that's been built up and this trepidation and this fearfulness that's been built up in the in the characters, and then oh well, it's really not that big a deal. He's just the, he's a he's a, a a hug clown, and all he was is really sad. Or it, it there it inserts a joke in there unnecessarily instead of like nervous laughter, which is if you if you want to in, inject some kind of humor into to it, some kind of like gallows humor or dark humor. Um, instead, it is just it's cartoonish instead yes. right and so that kind of goes back humor yeah exactly yeah you got you get a zoinks moment what's a like it's walruses on ice what's what's going on in here right now an, another one and again i'll try to make this as ambiguous as possible there is something that's earlier in the uh in the game much much the, earlier yeah much much earlier like uh the first couple of chapters um where there are uh nature spirits twingas that show up and they're just having a tea party and that's literally all they're doing. That is their whole thing. They're they're just being cute. They're banging on pots and plates like it's the Muppets. And I just, whenever I read it, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, this is not only this, not horrific. It's not scary. It's not creepy. It's just like, it's really place. Like, what are they doing here? What is the purpose that it's going to, that it'll end up serving, right? This is a, and this so, is a tone setter quest for yes, the campaign. Yeah. Yeah, this was yeah exactly. This is one of like the the, uh, the openers, right? To like start here. This is a good place to start, and it's like if that's where you're setting the temperature. No pun intended for right, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you're setting the temperature here, right, then it's it's just a really weird place to put it. It's like, and then um, so I, I can understand if they want they need levity, right? Because I've I've run games that have just been dark, stayed dark, and it's exhausting. Not only to the to myself, but to the players, it is exhausting. Uh, Curse of Strahd can be like that, you know. That one, and we probably talk about it here a little bit. But one of the things that I'd mentioned to Troy and, and uh, Zach previous or earlier was that for me there wasn't a lot of humor in Strahd, but there I gave my players breaks, you know, yeah. like 
the the horrors of the village of Barovia and the windmill and da 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 da. But when they finally got to Valaki and they went into to the uh, the Blue Water Inn, suddenly it's like Dorothy stepping outside of the black and white and into the the color of Oz for at least a little bit. There's a respite. There's a a break in the gothicness of the drab and things like that. So I can un- I could totally understand them putting things like that in there, or even characters and NPCs that are not all jerks or paranoia, uh, like paranoia driven or mad or things like that. Somebody that they can trust. Yeah, um, big deal. because I've I've run a deep deep paranoia game. My players, you know what I'm talking about in particular. Uh, I've run it for years, and they were exhausted because they were like, we can't trust anybody. Like this yeah. is it's almost impossible to play this game and actually have like get any, any fun out of it. So I get that. But instead of levity, they, it's, they, they went for jokes and they're not even good. I hate to say this, but they're not, they're not good jokes, you know? Right. And so they, and they seem that they're wedged in. Somebody chewed off the corners on a square to put the round peg into the hole (laughs) on this, on this stuff. That's what it felt like in a couple of places. And it's hard for me to say that because I'm not going to dump on all of the work that these writers did together. Because again, I'm running it. I'm still going to run. I may not be running it page to page, letter to letter, but there's some really great stuff in this book. And the, the, the bones of this thing are really great. But at some point, somebody pulled the fangs out of out of the thing's mouth and it got it went really really soft and limp and it's like so in order to write the ship and put a beam it you've got to do some legwork is a toothless toothless strahd or a toothless, a toothless vampire yes, it yeah. is. it's like yep. where's the threat it's sad, just sad uh, yeah so again like yeah you're right though zach like the scooby-doo scary is yeah. essentially where it is you know not even creepy or not or, or uh yeah not even creepy anymore not even at that point funny it's just yeah. If I if I ran that for my players, my players would be like, "The hell is this? What is this doing mm-hmm. in this game?" They it would they it would they would ask they would check to see whether or not I'd been hit on the head or something like mm-hmm. that. It just yeah. would have been completely off the mark. So, yeah. and, that I was mean, mine. When uh, when when reading through this uh, at the beginning, before even getting to any of the adventures, I got to the you know. The, the secrets for the players. I should have known something was wrong with this module when one of the major secrets that your players can start out with is that they're a closet Drist fan. Yeah, which would be really? fine as a joke, except that there's three other secrets that are very similar to that as far as yeah. like... It's like, oh. that's not, it's not even funny. I don't... Yeah, if you want to have a meta joke in there for the, basically for the person who's reading the book... To get a little haha yeah. moment as like a throwaway gag, I understand. But but when but several of the secrets are that way, it's yeah. But don't like, make it a secret that the players are walking around with like that's going to affect game. Anyway, okay. Yeah. Well, so it's that's the entire reason why we did what we did with with yeah. uh, chilled secrets. You know, we yeah. we yeah. all read it and we're like, come on, there's got to be something better than that we can come up with. <laughs> the bad part is, is like, I mean, it really wasn't that hard to do. <laughs> I mean, we had what? How many do we have? Thirty six. Thirty six. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Like something like that. I'm just saying. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, that's what the, that's what a couple of examples of, the, of what rhyme did wrong. So what does what does rhyme do right? We've got some uh, hungry caves and uh, a little bit of sunblight going on. I'll talk about sunblight because uh, I'm intimately familiar with that part of the ga- uh, campaign at this point. Um, sunblight has. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very cautious here again. 
um, as much as I can be. Sunblight has, is, is a very interesting section of the book with some really high highs and some really low lows. Um, but as a whole, I think it works really well for what it's trying to do. It has perhaps the best horror moment in the entire book in that section. And we'll probably get as, as specific as we're going to here. Um, but you walk into, I'll just say, a holy place. And in this holy place, you find a mind flayer that's tentacles have been like just surgically ripped off whatever he's emaciated he's missing half his skull part of his brain he is not in a good way and the visual of that and what sort of place he's in and everything that's kind of encircles that moment is really well done to get you that like whoa something is not right here like this is a bad creature but so whatever has done this to this creature mm -hmm. is going to be terrifying for the party, right? Yeah. And also someone who's done that, right? Someone who's, who's uh, whatever creature has willingly done that and kept this creature, this mind flayer in this state for so long, what sort of evil are they, right? There's, there's really good questions. And like, I, I really feel like they hit it right on the head with that. And that's the sort of thing that really gets you going. It doesn't need to happen all the time. That, like, grotesque body horror stuff isn't something you just want to beat over your players' heads over mm -hmm. and over again. But I felt like this was a surgical placement that worked really well. I mean, and yeah. not only the, the visual of it, but the meta-knowledge. What, at what power level did that thing have to be to do that? Exactly. Yeah, to a yeah the, the players, yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about, if their characters may never have seen this thing and may not know, but the players know. Yeah. The players know, and they know that if something did this to a Mind Flayer, holy crap, yeah. what else is down here? Yeah, what, what's yeah. it going to do to me? Yeah. Right. Which is what you want to, that's the tension that you want. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. Ratchet up the tension. It is, it is jaw, it's the fin in the water, not the whole shark, right? Mm -hmm. It is... The, sh the silhouette of the alien in Signs, not the goofy CGI that we ended up with at the very end of the movie, right? <laughs> and I love Signs, by the way, for, for anybody that wants to beat me up for it. I love the movie. But it's, that's, the, that's the thing that you want. That's the juice. Game, game is, uh, it's not, to, to Zach's point, it's not body horror. That's Saw, right? To me, that's not a, that's not a horror. That's, like trying, that's watching a, a scripted snuff film. Right, like that's I've, I get no pleasure out of watching those those movies. To me, a horror is based on things like it's tension and release, tension and release, and then it is it's things that are in the periphery, right? Like the yeah. thing that's just out of the in the corner of your eye, you know something was moving over there, but as soon as you turn and look, it's gone, right? It's yeah. being stalked by something like a lion in the darkness and things like that. And a lot of the, there's that's, that's a, where there's a little if, bit right there's there is a little, a little bit, bit of that. So, in, right, in, there's in, some of this good, right? And so that's kind of yeah. where I was going to go with mine was to dovetail with, with Zach's. Mine was uh, that what, what they got right was like they gave you, they give you enough. Maybe you're not, I'm not happy with the way that they executed the, you know, like the way that their vision of it was, but at least they gave me the bones of something to slap some meat on and make it work. Right, they gave me like the atmosphere. They gave me the overarching story that I can that I can glom onto. They gave me uh, the the region itself uh, is a character, right? That's one of the things we talk about. For, it's not just NPCs. It's the regions or, or the the areas, the 
fucking Death House. The Death House is a character, it, equally so to Strahd, right? And it has all of, it's like bits and bobs and, and ends and things like that. And so for me, what they got right was they got the cold and the rules and pulling the, the right rules out of the DMG and reprinting those and then putting those out there and then creating like this environment of where, of where all of this stuff is going on in yeah. the first place. They gave, they also gave us a great hype machine, yes. right? Like, like, mm -hmm. When were we going to get so, such a large chunk of the player base? They're like, we want a horror game. Like yeah. that's that was a long time. That was a long time from coming in my world, mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, there are a lot of people that want to play in a like a scary <laughs> D and D game. Okay, cool. Like let's do this. So yeah. kudos to them for like allowing that like shift in the the public eye for mm -hmm. what was desired into something different. Because um, that's a big chunk of getting anybody on board for a campaign is hyping them for a new idea, right? Yeah. I want something different. Okay, well, you yeah, have to a sell somebody on something different. Yeah, yeah. it's non-traditional D&D, right? Yeah, this is like exactly. the, this has been relegated to the, the dark corners of Ravenloft. That's a thing that's over here, and the people that are into that kind of thing, let's do that over there. And I think that they tried to, but that may be part of the reason why they doesn't have the teeth, though, right? It's like they wanted to make it for a general audience and bring people in, but then they were like, oh, well, we gotta make we gotta dis we need to Disney this just a little bit because it needs to stay PG PG thirteen, right? Exactly. Yeah, I I, I, I would have much preferred give me the thing with all the teeth. Mm -hmm. And, I, and then I'll give it a root much, canal if it needs it. I'll yeah, I'll pull yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if needed. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, the other thing that they gave me that was really great is they, they is the art. There's yeah. really great imagery in this thing. The, yeah, okay, the the thing in the lake, and I'll leave it at that. The artwork for that is is so atmospheric to me, and in my mind, set the entire like uh, my players just went through that kind of that, that encounter, or they kind of like they had to, they essentially they skimmed the surface of it, and it may they may come back to it later. They did that That's thing, good, and, it, and it gave That's me so thing. many really. Go ahead. No, go finish it. Finish it. Sorry. It gave me so many good ideas on like, oh, well, this is like Jaws. Oh, I could do that. And so I actually watched Jaws the week before. I'm like, oh, yes, that's a thing that I need to do there. And like bump it here. Don't let them see anything. And so it, it gave me the, the impetus or it gave me like the inspiration to make it more than what it really kind of was written as in the in the book. So the artwork is, is fantastic. There's really, really great artwork. Even the atmospheric environmental artwork. Just yes. distant shots, misty, difficult to see, these monolithic um, buildings Structure, or yeah. structures that are in the background, this alien structures. It's, it's this bizarre, weird architecture and things like that. Really, really helpful in kind of just like, all right, look, if the, the words are not, I'm not vibing on that, I can do so much with the imagery. And it felt a lot like, um, like Tales from the Loop because the imagery is so provocative for me, it's so visceral in Tales from the Loop. That is actually what made me gravitate towards the game in the first place, is how gorgeous it was and the, I don't know, the way that it made me feel whenever I looked mm -hmm. at it. It's the same kind of feeling I wanted to be able to impart to my players whenever we would run a game that's like that. And that's a good transition or a good note, because what, what you're talking about there with the creature in the water is a near miss, right? Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were going to get into next, right? Yeah. Uh, unless, unless yeah. I want to. Uh, no, that's a, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I definitely, I definitely want John to talk about uh, what he de is going to do 
with a gotcha. certain. Well, I t- I'll tell you what then. Let's let's. I'll let players leave now, please. Yes, please go away. Please, I'm begging you from the bottom of from the cockles of my dwarven heart. Go go somewhere else, please, because I'm I'm gonna spill the beans, man. With what I'm gonna do with this thing. But let me do this for, first. Uh, Zach, you kind of were going off of the the lake encounter. Do you want to speak to that first, or do you want me to? to yeah, just I'll touch my... on it again. Like 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 Jaws is perfect for what that should be like. Um, uh, you know, any sort of creature that is unseen, but you know, like you said, on the periphery is is making stuff happen, is ruining mm-hmm. people's lives or days or livelihoods or whatever. Like that's perfect. Um, in the book. This is yet another awakened creature that just really is misunderstood. I just want to talk. And um, is played in, uh, as as set up as a scary, horrific thing. End result, joke. Yeah, misunderstood. Yeah, jokester. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, th- this this is where we're talking about near misses, where all you have to do is shear off the end. Mm-hmm. And you can run that, and it, it'll be great. Yep. And it's exactly what you wanted. This, yep. to me, feels like one of the times where somebody came in after this was written and said, "Oh, this is this is dark. Let's let's find a way to." I'm gonna I'm gonna get back on my soapbox here. This is where the the three pillars of play nonsense comes in and ruins things, <laughs> because somebody came in and said, "This is a combat scenario," and wrote a combat scenario that was really good. And then somebody else came in and said, but where's the role play option for the people who don't want to fight this thing? How can they do this? Let's write it as something where they can just all be friends, which is literally what it, again, it mm-hmm. sounds like we're making something up, but that's really what is, an, is on the table as an option. Um, and, and that's where there's a misunderstanding when you try to be all things all the time, when you try to offer all three pillars of play every single moment, it falls apart. Um, when you try to say here is a combat encounter, but we want to o- offer options A, B, and C to not make it a combat encounter, well, then you're you're at the end of things just pulling the teeth one right after the other mm-hmm. for what it can be. So um, shear the end off, you're good to go um, with that one, and and you can do that with a lot of things in the book. Yeah, with that one in particular, I would if to fix it right, I would make it uh, you can still be awakened, but cunning and not necessarily intelligent. And incredibly territorial. Yeah. It th- that's this is its lake. No one, nothing, nothing encroaches on it. It's it is a hunting ground. It is a predatory creature. It doesn't want to talk to you. It doesn't want to engage. It doesn't want to just be friends or anything like that. It wants. It's out for blood. And it yeah. and what it wants to do is drag people into icy water because that's great. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So for mine, mine was uh, cold hearted killer. Uh, cold-hearted killer. I've heard it. I've, you know, some YouTube videos of like reviews and how people would do the, the, it is universally every single one that I've seen or heard has said pretty much the same thing about cold-hearted killer is like in the book, it says, this is not a murder mystery. This is a hunt wrong. This is a murder mystery. And then it turns into a hunt or it turns it either you're hunting him or he's hunting you and it turns into the, to, to a stalk. So, uh, whenever uh, is October, right, is whenever I really in earnest started devouring the book, reading everything. And my son and I have a tradition. We watch all of the good Halloween movies, 
every single year. And I thought this is that's exactly what this is. Uh, not to give too too much away about it, but this this character is a remnant, not even necessarily a remnant. Died is possessed by a spirit, is relatively unaware of the things that it does. But as soon as he goes to sleep at night, that's whenever the spirit, the entity, takes over the body and goes out and does the work, the bidding of the Dark Master, and the Dark Master being either Oriel or whoever your your big baddie is, whoever the, the spirit of winter, Jack Frost, Krampus, whatever. Um, and so uh, in this one, instead of... I, the way that I did it was the Ten Towns, uh, they have nightly sacrifices that they make for food and warmth. And so that makes people really crotchety because they're either cold or they're hungry, in those two, two things in particular. The other towns are enjoying the benefits of people dying without them really with them being implicit. They're just gaining the benefit of murder, and they don't even really know about it. The three towns where they're, they're, the sacrifice is life or as a person is actually being done by this, this character. And so it, one of the things that really threw me off about like Bryn Shander in particular is there was a lottery, and they were cool with that. Because like especially the two people that are kind of in charge of Bryn Shander, it is I, – I, cannot reconcile it myself it is so out of out of place i it's ran so storm king's thunder and that is not even remotely the way that they acted and they're the same characters even though this is supposed to be like decades prior or whatever right because that's lazy i'm not even gonna get into that 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 part the fact that it's like the the young girl that was in charge of bren shander the 50 years in the future or wherever the current time era is versus uh in the book anyway so but it was out of character for them to be cool with a lottery where people are dragged out naked and uh, tied to a post for the for the snow to get involved, get them. That's ridiculous. Yeah. One of them might do that. One really messed up town where the leaders get together and like, all right, this is the only way we're going to be able to get away with doing this. No one else is going to know about it. And there's just going to be a dead body that shows up out there. Otherwise, it's this guy is the one that does it. And so it is a murder mystery. And so for those of you that are like Halloween movie buffs or into that kind of stuff, uh, the dwarf that was kind of the one that was at the very beginning of the, of the the store the kind of in, uh, began the engagement of the story they don't find they're not going to find him until like halfway through and he's going to be the loomis it's like i've been looking for this guy for who it is i know it, this is these are not accidents they're being murdered i know it for it's not happenstance it's not natural causes he's they're being murdered by xyz yeah. and so he's the loomis and he's like the ahab that's trying to find moby dick right and you're going to either help him or he's going to at least kind of like confirm what their fears or their what their suspicions are of what it is. And then the guy will end up finding out about it that they're, that they know. And then he turns it on them. So that's, that's, I love what you, how you've presented that because we, you took all the same pieces mm -hmm. that they gave you and you yep. just mixed them around, shifted yep. over some things said, Oh, they meet this guy here instead of here. This guy's motivation is this instead of this good to go. Yep. And it completely it. changed it into something that's that, that, I am certain, and we talked to others even as late as today who mm. were like, this is way better. We're going to use it. We're going to do it this way. Yeah, I'm way. stealing that. And, yeah. Go for it. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's so many things in the book that are that close. Mm. You know, that, that's why, like, like, I really am enjoying running it. Like we said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning, preface this with, have yet to talk to a DM who hates running this thing or whose yeah. players aren't having a good time. Everybody's having a good time. They're having a good time because every DM is taking the knobs and twisting them to, right. to, it's like, like a garbled transmission off. that you're just, yeah, yeah, you're just, you're sitting there 
tuning it, tuning it, tuning it, tuning it, tuning it, and you're like, oh, that's where it comes in right. clear. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what? For all we know, that was the entire, that was it all along. Maybe they're that genius that they're like, you know what? We're going to give them just enough to do whatever they want to to make it horrific, but we're going to make it palatable for public consumption across the board at the same time and put the silly stuff in there as a, like, a, well, to indemnify themselves, I guess, maybe. Well, I, mean, I don't I know. I think that's, that's the, the, the kind of the thing that you have to be as a DM. You have to look at the material that you're giving. If you're running published stuff, you read what you've got. You decide, is this is this for me? Is this how I would do it? And then you tweak it. My complaint with Rhyme is there's so much mm. to be vol- Volume-wise, there's. I'm pretty much going to have, like to, to Zach's point, there are entire um, side quests. If I were to go down that route, I'd have to rewrite the whole thing. There's, I'm going to end up rewriting, or I already have started the process of rewriting at least two chapters out of the out of the seven yeah, chapters. There's there so many things that they put into this, and that's something else. And before we get to the last part, examples of horror done right uh, in other in other games, mostly D and D games. Um, there's so many different things set up in this in this book that really have not much to do with the story. You're, you're in the, in Icewind Dale, the, the sun hasn't shown in two and a half years. They know that it's our real, that's doing, I'm going to go over here and get some mead for people. What, why should you not, should, shouldn't almost everything in this book just be, I mean, I don't want to say railroad, but rail you to the direction of taking the, on a real. Or at least want to be like on gently hurting. Right. At least being nudged in that direction, right? Yeah. Well the I way mean, that I ended up and the way that I ended up fixing that, to your point, the way that I ended up kind of like nudging or like indemnifying myself of it is that it was something that was being it was set being set into place at the beginning of this of the story. As opposed to it's been like this for two years, we know that it's a real. Nope. It's like for only for the last several weeks, the nights are getting longer, yeah. the days are getting darker, it, the cold is starting to set in. What the heck is going on? So that's part of the mystery of it that the players should get the the goody and the benefit of figuring out along the way, right? It's picking up the breadcrumb trail. Yeah, because honestly, just, if this thing has been going on for two years, there's nothing going to be left alive. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Real. So, yeah. Well, we could transition here. If, if you guys want to, because because I think we talked about like you, you, you talked, John, about like maybe they did this on purpose, kind of tongue in cheek there. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. We have a number of great examples of horror done right in a way that is safe for public consumption mm-hmm. is still within the bound. Because, OK, so here, here we should have probably prefaced with this, but like I don't need my horror to be the blackest of blacks. No. Mm-hmm. Right? That's yeah. not what I need. I just need it to be scary and moments, right? And there are great examples of that um, in, in D&D already, especially if you dive into some AL mods. Yeah. Um, and I know we've got a few of them here. I'll go ahead and throw one out. Um, uh, this is one of the Border Kingdoms mods. So if you look up the Darkest Knight, that's K-N-I-G-H-T, like Knight in Shining Armor. Um, Border Kingdoms... They run those at Game Hole Con. Um, but this one is great. 
it does horror in a great way. Uh, Gamehole Con always happens on the week before the week of Halloween. So a lot of times you might see some horrific things. Um, this one, I don't want to get into too much of it, but it involves you go to find a lord. And it turns out the lord is under the influence. His mind has kind of been ripped from him by an abolith. He's kind of enslaved to an abolith. And uh, an illithid has taken the opportunity to kind of insert themselves into the Lord's domain now that he's kind of a mindless mook. Um, it's great. It's great. The entire adventure takes place in and around the Lord's uh, keep. And when you're in the keep, you are being stalked and manipulated and assassinated. At least there's an attempt made by this mind flayer. And every person that you encounter in the keep has been malformed, uh, muddled by either the Aboleth or the Mind Flayer. And it it really sets up a tone. And there's some really dark moments. And believe it or not, there's actually some great moments of levity. I know if uh, my brother-in-law were here, he would talk to you. One of the funnest games he ever ran was this one. And it was a riot at his table because the funny moment was allowed to be this like breath of air into the adventure when it needed to be and it turned it into you know a dark comedy at that point it allowed it to be that there was dark and there was light and they were in the right blend to make that dark comedy happen um, so darkest night that's a perfect example if you want to see horror done right in in D and D. Uh, you, I'm sure you. I know you can pick it up on the DM's Guild. Oh yeah, yeah. Mine, mine for this horror done right is, and I, I've talked about this before. Uh, Army of the Unseen, and it is an AL mod for uh, Baldwin Games Moonshay uh, storyline. Uh, not again. I don't want to give too much away, but th if you're a DM and you want to freak your players out run this module and the best part about and this to me this one is perfect because you don't need to do anything you let the module do the work don't overthink it you just let it go you don't add anything where you think you might need to and you will your players will be on edge and there i had uh, bits of levity at my tables when i ran this game and it didn't come from the module if proved my point it came from the players at the table their actions because they were so freaked out i had one who literally was like this hiding himself behind hiding, a piece of paper hiding yeah. behind his character sheet <laughs> and it, i would so what are you doing i, I don't want to do anything i'm not going up there I, I you can't make me go up there and you can't write that the rest of the table is like, oh, that's hilarious. And then all of a sudden, brr, something bad, bad happens, and it it works. And and that's what I'm trying to say with, you know, don't write all this humor into my horror. The, the humor is going to be there. And uh, Zach just talked about earlier, the alien uh, RPG. Yeah. That's got to have some intense moments in it. Uh, and everybody knows Call of Cthulhu, you know, all that stuff. They do horror right. And I'm sure they don't write a whole lot of humor into their scenarios. Yeah, it's, it comes it's targeted. It's precision humor, right? It's yes, saying it's, like it's not like ah, oh, it's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. Bad. No, it's it's like it's someone with an expert, deft hand saying. At least this is what it feels like saying. 
we have brought them to a point where if we push them any farther, they will want to back out. So we're going to give them that moment of uh, respite right here. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to push on. And yep. Yep. it's perfect. Perfect. Uh, the moment of respite in uh, The Darkest Night is right before you fight the elephant. Um, so so you have it, and actually it leads in in a funny way, but but it kind of breaks that up, and I like it. And yeah, it, it really feels like, and maybe this is what they did. Maybe they would do it different if they saw what had happened, but um, it really feels like who the folks that Wizards hired to freelance write this, which is what they did. Um, for the most part, um, we're not did not really know much about horror, and we're really keen on writing adventures. And I think that the writing on this, by and large, is completely fine. I don't think that the writing is the thing that's bad. I think it's the tone that they don't understand, and what they're building towards. So, yeah, yeah, the tone that was promised is not the tone that was delivered. Yeah, yeah, and that may be something where we talked about this. I think in our last episode about rhyme, but like it may be that. What was wrong was how it was marketed. And if it was marketed a different way, we would all be sitting here being like, hey, two thumbs up. We really enjoyed this funny, cold adventure, right? Mm -hmm. Probably not. There's a, there's a in which maybe that would happen. Um, but the, the, the reality is that Chris Perkins and others 100% sold it as, this is, we've never gone here before, right? Like, <laughs> get ready. Something, Hang something, your something twisted this way comes. Um, yeah. So, so I, I've got one that is not D and D though. Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a shout out to, to the competition, man. I'm gonna give it to, I'm gonna give this one to, uh, to Pathfinder. Oh. Yeah. And third, after we we made the shift uh, in third edition over to Pathfinder for a bit at my table, one of the the. Uh, the modules, it's an, it's, this is an earlier one. So this is several, several years ago, probably say like eight, eight years old, but the carrion crown is the one that, uh, that I ran and it is, Oh, it's so good. And it, I, it is, uh, the, the basics of it. It starts out in a town where there is a, uh, essentially an, an insane, an asylum in, in, uh, uh, where uh, something really horrific had happened, the inmates had gotten out, then there was a fire, people died, good guys died, bad guys died, and so the, the it is the haunted asylum where they were all at. So it's it feels like a it feels like a like a classic trope in a horror movie for things like that. But it's all about the haunting of it and how those the spirits are in, uh, affecting the a, a town that's nearby. And there's a really great. Um, if I remember it correct, the, uh, the, the whole thing specifically, there's the good guys that died in there. There's kind of like, they're trying to stave off the inmates from getting out and then being run, let loose on the, on the world. So it's kind of like a, like a non terrible version of 13 ghosts, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Or the cornball humor, like the, the like that's another one. Like Thirteen Ghosts could have been a really great horror movie if it just that wasn't stupid in spots. Uh, I, I love Matthew Lillard, so not to not to beat up his movie too much, but uh, but I mean it was it's really great. And what made it so freaking good was the atmosphere, and it was just dripping with it. The spin was fear. The story was compelling. Uh, it didn't uh, it didn't crack a smile the entire time. So uh, if you want a horror game. If you want a, a story 
you're going to have to do obviously the number crunch, number crunching in order to translate things over quite a bit because they each they were like uh, some of the ghosts that were in there and the spirits were like essentially like uh, named care named creatures right so they had their own little stack stat blocks and things like that so you're gonna have to do some some, some mechanical lifting but the story the bones of the story are fantastic it is so so good maps great I mean, Pi, I mean Paizo's got had you know at least at the time whenever I was still playing Pathfinder it was quality stuff good art good maps good design good layout really well well put together from like uh, divulging the story in a way that was meaningful for the D for the GM, that kind of stuff. So yeah, Carrion Crown, go out there and take a look at it. Really good right. stuff. The Haunting of Harrowstone in particular was that the one was that uh, path or just a single module. Uh, it was a full module with six paths in, uh, built into it. And the Haunting of Harrowstone, which was really a, honestly, that's probably the one that I should probably make sure that I focus on. So it's a good question. Haunting of Harrowstone is the one specifically from the Carrion Crown that we, that I ran, um, and it was fantastic. Okay. Really, really good. Yep. Cool. Uh, well, I think uh, I think that was good. What do you guys think? I think we covered what we wanted th- to cover I there. I think we covered everything. I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, anybody from... Because I know all of our listeners from Watsi are probably mad at us. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure. Uh, well... Yeah, it's, know, not, it's uh, certainly not to beat anybody up at all. Again, no, 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 it's, no, no. it's good stuff, man. But, I mean... You know, the, that's, like the, you those said, are the, the nits to pick. The bones are The bones are there. It's just... I don't feel this is a, this is an adventure book that you can just plop down and run mm-hmm. as written no. and get the feel that you want. You have you the, a DM is going to have to do some work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which exactly. you know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't like to do the work. So, no. <laughs> yeah. no. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm transplanting this thing into another friggin' world. So, is, so is Zach. So, I don't mind doing the heavy lifting that at all, and I'm still playing it, still yeah, running yeah. it. Loving Absolutely. it, every minute of it. One hundred percent. So I think that's gonna uh, wrap us up for this episode. Really appreciate uh, those of you who turned into the uh, live broadcast. Uh, that was fun getting to see some of your comments uh, yeah. here and there throughout the episode. Um, I would encourage you all if you are tuning in to this for the first time. This is the first time I've heard uh, the Bite Size Gaming Podcast. I'd encourage you to. Uh, hop on your favorite podcast player and go find us there. There's a whole backlog of episodes uh, that you would probably enjoy as well. Um, If you're listening to this on a podcast uh, in the next few days, uh, we'd encourage you to go follow us on Facebook at Bite Size Gaming, um, and you'll get an update. We'll put out a post uh, every day when we're planning on recording one of these suckers, and you can come watch us live. We'd love to have you in chat. Um, and, and hear any thoughts that you have on what we're talking about. Um, and by and large, we'd love to have you on, uh, check into our social media in general, uh, cause that's where you're going to find out not just about this, but also about fun projects that we're a part of, or that we've fallen in love with when we're running games at conventions or online or wherever, uh, that's where you're going to find that. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to John, uh, the Dwarven DM has a Facebook page as well. And he's been posting, if you're a Dragonlance fan uh, and you're curious about stuff in that regard, um, especially about his conversion of Rhyme, he's been posting mm-hmm. some good questions there. Um, and you can be a part of that discussion by following the Dwarven DM. Somebody's got to scratch that itch, man. Somebody. Oh i got to keep, keep the fires burning, baby. Got to keep <laughs> yeah. them burning until this lawsuit thing is over. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, definitely. 
Absolutely. So, hey, I think for that, uh, we're going to sign off here. Uh, thanks to those of you in chat for tuning in. Uh, thanks to John. Thanks to Troy uh, for hanging out with me yet again. I just realized something. Yeah. This is the first time at the end of the podcast that we're going to say goodbye, and I'm going to wave. <gasps> And, and people, people are, are going to see it. See it's it. going to mean something. <laughs> it's going to mean something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So let's all wave. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Steve, we will. Um, oh, what? What? Steve, uh, one of our people, one of our uh, listeners here in chat is saying that they'd love to hear more about the conversions. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. We will do an update on that. I think that's coming very soon. We're going to let, I think, John, and if I can force Mike, one of our friends, Mike, is running the real Yes. Thing in Forgotten Realms. I'd love yes. to have him in on that conversation as well. But one way or another, in the next, I would say in the next two to three weeks, we'll try to get that episode and I'm in gonna, the docket. I'm going to throw this out there for people, you know, watch watching and listening. Uh, get on our Facebook page. Send us questions that you want answered about this stuff, and I will fire them at these guys. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Troy's doing a good job of managing that page. So Social media cool. manager. Mm -hmm. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well hey uh, uh everybody thanks again and we'll see you next week take care thank you everybody have yep. a good game bye everybody bye. good games we are not live anymore. that was good man that's fine okay i'm not too much hit the download button where's the download button